This is episode 46 of the Ed Essentials Podcast. Today's guest is Brian Holyfield. Brian is a history teacher, and he's also a health consultant. So he helps teachers take control of their health with easy-to-follow nutrition and strength programs. So he's been starting this program himself um, as a side business while teaching. The reason why I wanted to bring him on is because health is such an important issue that goes untouched in education. We have so many teachers that overwork themselves, get burnt out, and they never prioritize their health. I brought on Brian so he could give us some tips and strategies as we approach the school year so you all can take control of your health and get re-energized as we take on this new school year. So without further ado, please welcome onto the show, Brian Holyfield. Welcome to the Ed Essentials Podcast. My name is Hunter Flesh. I'm an educator and podcast host, and in each episode, I hope to equip educators through the stories and insights from experts across the education field. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram and Twitter, at Ed Essentials, and leave this show a review. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Now let's get started. We have the one and only, a very special guest. Uh, I've connected with him on Instagram. I've been following him for a long time, and he's just blown up on TikTok now lately. Uh, <laughs> Brian Holyfield, how are you, Brian? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Just enjoying summer. And how have things been for you? Things have been really good. I appreciate you having me on. Um, it's been busy summer, crazy year, busy summer, launching new business, all that stuff. So uh, just trying to juggle it all. So. Well, and you have, remind me, how many kids do you have? I, we have three boys. So, <laughs> so nine, you, nine, five, and four. So we're, yeah. <laughs> I can only you imagine. Will, you, will, you will probably, you will probably hear them. So just, you know, buckle up. We welcome all children. We welcome all pets on the Ed Essentials podcast. Any appearances they make, they're more than happy to join. Um, my, my parents would relate with you hard because they had triplets, but not three oh. boys. It was just, it was me and two sisters. So. I'm not okay. sure what would be worse. Uh, maybe you can <laughs> have a have a therapy session with them and talk about the life of yeah, having three kids. Yeah, yeah. Were they but, educators? Uh, yeah, my mom is a retired administrator, so she was a okay. business forever, and then went into the to the dark the dark side, they say, and was a vice principal, middle school principal, and retired as a high school principal. Wow. And then my dad is still teaching. He's into his thirty. Gosh. 31st year, I think now of sixth grade science at the wow. same school. Wow. No so, end in sight, huh? No end in sight. It's, it's going to be going on forever. Were you, are you from a family of educators then too? I'm not, I'm not my, uh, my parents were the first. So I'm from very rural Mississippi. Um, my family, all of my relatives, everybody, but, um, my parents were the first ones to get, even get an associate's degree. Um, wow. and they're sort of, you know, they came from like dairy farm families, uh, you know, uh, chicken house families and stuff like that. So uh, I think me and my brother, the first ones, you know, at least on that side to, you know, get actual bachelor's degree and everything. So my, my path to education was pretty unexpected. So Yeah, breaking the mold, but we're glad that you ended yeah. up where we need you in the education field because you're doing awesome oh, things. I love it. I love it. I love it. And so you just kind of introduced your your journey into education. Could For listeners that aren't connected with you yet, um, give them a little insight into what you're doing now and sort of your journey into education. I know you mentioned just a little bit of it. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely, you know, that natural gifting of, of teaching. Like that's where I, I have that natural inclination to want to teach. And 
ever since I was a kid, you know, learned something new, wanted to immediately tell other people about that kind of that <laughs> annoying kid. Um, but I think I've been able to turn that into a career, which is, which is good. Um, so yeah, that was something that I was always drawn toward. And then I actually was a missionary kid in Russia. So very crazy because my parents were, like I said, very rural. And then they became missionaries in Moscow, Russia of all places. And I lived there for 10 years. So I, I grew up very rural, very Southern, you know, wearing cowboy boots to bed. And then I'm in Moscow, Russia, and, you know, I'm basically turned into a city kid. So, um, wow. but that experience led me to a lot of travel and we got to go to a lot of different places all over Europe and see different cultures and stuff. And that really gave me a huge amount of respect for uh, just the history of all these different places and just being all these historic sites and seeing all these uh, different things. That a lot of people don't, don't get to experience. So I'm very blessed for that, but that really uh, further emphasized like this uh, love that I have for history. And so that's, that's what I do. So I teach um, right now I'm teaching primarily AP courses. So doing AP world history and AP human geography, which is going to be a new course for me. So I've um, been doing uh, some prep work and a lot of planning all, all summer for that. So. Yeah. See everyone, teachers never have summers off. They're always doing something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a always what? busy what a wild turn of events too, of all places going from Mississippi, like almost like you just threw a dart at a, a map and you're like, I guess yeah. we're going to Russia. Wow. Yeah, dude, but it, it's really been pivotal for me in my life. Like I can't imagine not having that experience sort of, you know, cross-cultural, uh, just being able to, you know, I, I'm able to speak Russian fluently still to this day. So I've kept it up. Um, then my master's degree at Indiana University in uh, Russian East European studies really focused in on Russian history specifically looking at like the development of secondary education in Russia, um, the debates around that, and then also the sort of cultural impact that that had. So. Interesting. This is more of a side question, but do you find, yeah. and this is totally a naive, like sheltered question, because I have no knowledge of the Russian education system. Do you find mm -hmm. that they're similar? Did you find that your experience would have been, do you think it would have been vastly different had you done all your K through 12 in Russia versus America or Mississippi? I think so. Um, a lot of their, they've, they've gone through a lot of like, you know, educational reform, like we always talk about. Yeah. They still, their system still, things in education, as we all know, change so slowly. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of generational shifts. And so I think even though I was in Russia and in Russian school in the mid 2000s, there was still so much holdover from the Soviet style. Um, oh, okay. So like the imperial style of Russian education was very different from what happened after the Russian revolution and, you know, introduction of communism. So the Soviet Union, the way they did education is still, I think, having a big hold on, um, on the educational system in Russia to yeah. this day, like very more authoritarian, very much more like reg regimented, I guess we would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's gotta be, uh, that's gotta be a really awesome perspective to have as you are becoming a leader within education in with even just within your own classroom in your own school. That's such a unique perspective to have. That's, that's super awesome. Um, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And, and the reason why I started following you, a, you seem like an awesome educator. Um, but the reason why I'm bringing you on today is your passion for fitness and health. I know that's awesome segue, right? Um, <laughs> but you're, you're posting about it all the time. I know you're a coach. Um, but you're posting yourself at the gym, you're posting health tips, fitness tips, and now you've started this own, your own personal, is it training, coaching, both? Yeah, yeah. So it's like one-to-one -on, one -one online coaching. So okay. I think, I think uh, the online coaching world has really expanded since mm -hmm. this whole 
you know, pandemic stuff. So people are realizing, oh, I can get the benefits of a coach without actually having to be there one-on-one with that person. So, right. Yeah. That is, that's a huge barrier for a lot of people is just getting out the door to go somewhere. Even if it's just, hey, I'm going to go to the gym yeah. for 30 minutes, it's the act of getting the tennis shoes on and getting out the door and going. And so, you know, you started out, I don't know if you did ath- you know, athletics in high school or what, and you've, mm-hmm. you've t- just channeled this passion all the way to where you are now. Where did the passion for fitness and health come from? Where did that start for you? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, just, uh, just sort of that natural athleticism that I had as a kid and then playing all different, I mean, anything that involves some kind of a ball or some kind of like, you know, some physical activity, I was all right. in, um, you know, played basketball in high school, uh, basketball and soccer primarily in high school. And then I played soccer in college back here in the U S. Um, and so it was just something I always, you know, was geared toward. Um, but in terms of like working out, I was never in the gym. I was never really interested in that at all. Um, I guess it was fall of 2017. I'm a dad, I'm a uh, teacher and coach at a small Christian high school. Um, I'm really kind of stressed out. I just finished my master's degree and that was two years of just like working 40 hours, doing full-time master's degree, all that stuff. And I was really not putting much emphasis on my own personal health. And I ended up having a pretty serious but preventable back injury. And I realized at that moment, oh, I'm 28 and I'm already having back issues and you know, natural athleticism only goes so far. And if you're not, you know, using it, you're going to lose it. I mean, just to use the cliche. And so that really kind of sparked a transitional moment for me to say, look, I need to, I need to get in the gym. I need to be moving some weights around. I need resistance training. I need to work on some mobility issues that had, I had not, you know, that were really preventative in terms of like flexibility and these kinds of things. And so I think I really relate to a lot of teachers who are in that same boat because like, They might not even have that same natural athleticism that I had in terms of a starting point. And here I am at 28 already having issues. So I think for me, like that's where a lot of inspiration and motivation for me comes from is my own personal journey of the last three years, seeing a lot of progress in the gym and stuff and saying like, Hey, this is, this is doable as an educator that you can sustain both your professionalism, your family life, but also invest in yourself. That is a million dollar question I think for so many educators is how on earth do I balance everything and and you're the epitome of doing it and part of its priority prioritization you know of your own yeah. health and your own body um, but I think another part of it is is the mental side yeah. uh, and that's something that I've struggled with in my entire life you know I was never the athlete I, I feel like I'm the opposite of you I have mm-hmm. zero natural athleticism or talent <laughs> and I don't think I ever will uh, but I always was very insecure going into the gym because I never did sports in high school. I was a big music kid, super big into choir, super big into band. So I, you know, I had a great experience, but that world was completely foreign to me. And I started to get a little bit of taste of it in college. You know, I had some roommates that were really into it, um, would take me to the gym and I would, I'd work out with them, but if I wasn't with them, I wouldn't go. And, you know, it's taken a long time. And as I've been teaching and finding this time after school or, even during summers now, it's been a huge thing for me just to build the mental confidence to get to the gym, yeah. to feel comfortable there. And, mm-hmm. and there are so many people and why I was following you, um, your story really resonated with me because, you know, I thought to myself, Oh, I've never done this in college. I never did this in high school. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm all this far behind. Why start now? And when you, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a post you made where you said, oh, I didn't start lifting until I was 28. I think that's what yeah. it was. 
And I was like, dang, this guy is in shape. He's a teacher. He's rocking it. He's able to balance all this stuff, but he didn't start till he's 28. I'm 25. Like that helps me. I'm like a little bit ahead of the game. And so that our, our bodies are these amazing things that like, you know, with the right intentionality. And like you said, the mindset and the effort, like it's incredible, like what kind of transformations you're capable of that you really thought were out of the realm of possibility. Right. And I'm, I'm not absolutely where I want to be for sure. I'm still very, you know, fresh to the process, but I think when, and this is goes for anyone, not just teachers, but when we see people on social media, especially, um, posting about themselves going mm-hmm. to the gym post. Oh, I'm at cycle bar. Or I'm at orange theory or whatever it is. Yeah. And they're, they're in their cute outfits. or they're in there's those, uh, they, you know, they're ripped, just veins popping out of their chests. And, and you think <laughs> to yourself, well, that could never meet me or that person's just different, or I can never do that. I don't have time. They're just a try hard. Oh, they're just posting that for attention. All those mental judgments we make, uh, a are not healthy because we compare to other people, but then B prevents us from ever feeling like we belong. And so why do those people make those judgments? Do you think? And then how can we change those people's attitudes towards the idea of fitness? Yeah. Thinking about those mental judgments, like you said, I think a lot of times what that's doing is actually revealing some like internal insecurities that we have right? Like you were talking about, it's, it's, it's much easier. And this is just human nature. It's much easier to, to look at, let's say, you know, quote unquote success in the gym or somebody like really pursuing fitness and, you know, and just write it off as that's unattainable or write it off as that person is just, you know, neglecting other aspects of their life in order to achieve that. And I'm just not, I'm, I'm not going to do that because that's not, you know, I have different priorities. And so, like, I think that's just revealing maybe sometimes we're thinking this is too big of a thing to handle. I don't know where to start. And so rather than saying, how can I break this down, incremental steps, progressions, make a plan, we write it off entirely and say, oh, that's, you know, that's out of the realm of possibility. Like you said, you know, like mm-hmm. if you look at some of like the transformation photos that I have and stuff like that, not to brag on myself, right? but just say like, it, it's hard work. It's not, it's not some quick gimmick thing. You know, I was 155 pounds. I was very, very skinny. And that doesn't, none of that stuff really matters. We think about people like super fit and all this kind of stuff. It's not really about that. It's about the mindset, exactly what you were talking about, because my mindset was the same as yours. I was scared. I was scared of lifting weights. I was scared of looking silly. I was scared of not knowing what to do or making a mistake. I was scared of it. I was scared of injuring myself, you know, and there were a lot of things that were preventing me in terms of my mindset from really progressing in some of these ways that I know long-term is going to make me a better dad. It's going to make me a better husband. It's going to make me, you know, have a healthier life and a more enjoyable life. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's like really the goal is to focus on like setting, you know, health as number one, not, you know, a certain weight, not a certain number on the scale, not a certain, you know, metric, but, overall health. Am I happier now? Do I have healthy outlets for my stress as a teacher? I mean, this past year was incredibly difficult. We all experienced that and lived through it. And for me, going to the gym and lifting weight and just being able to just zone out and just focus on something that I actually could somewhat control, have some control over was a huge outlet for me. So to be able to provide that kind of like mental fortitude to progress in those areas, like Am I at risk of looking, you know, shallow? Am I at risk of looking like a gym bro? Maybe so, but you know what? 
if somebody wants to just judge instantly based on one picture, that's on them. Same thing with TikTok, right? You mm-hmm. want to judge me based on one TikTok, go at it. But when you look at me holistically, when you look at like what makes me who I am in terms of my life, the full picture, I'm proud of who I am, right? And I want other educators to also stand up and say, I'm proud of being an educator. I'm proud of prioritizing my own family, my own health. Because a lot of times, and this is kind of going into the next thing I wanted to bring up is like schools are notoriously bad at like setting up structures to provide healthy lifestyles for teachers. If we struggle, like one of the big jokes is like struggling to have time to go to the bathroom. How is our workplace, if we can't even find time to go to the bathroom, how are we finding time for our personal health? So for me, like that just helps me to say, look, it's not about, you know, looking a certain way. It's not about, you know, weighing a certain amount. It's about my mental strength. And I think that having those goals and setting those goals, crushing those goals in the gym gives you that mental fortitude. And I think we all have this coping mechanisms. We all have ways that we try to deal with the stresses of our lives. And where are those coping mechanisms taking you? Mm-hmm. You know, if we're stress eating, that's not taking you to a good place, you know? So if my outlet is something that I feel like is going to actually not only help me relieve stress and cope with the stresses and pressures of life, but it's also taking me somewhere in terms of my like longevity and my health, then that's the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. A couple awesome things that you just mentioned, like I a thousand percent, like I feel like I've discovered the outlet and what that means because I finally decided when I feel stressed, um, like particularly stressed people, people who know me and know that I'm super positive all the time. And so I I deflect, I've got a pretty thick armor, but Mm -hmm. you know, when I have a really, really bad day at work, um, which is rare, but my, my first step would to just be scroll on my phone and completely numb my brain, you know, just to try and forget about it or whatever. But then I find myself still thinking about it. And it's, I still feel it, still feel that tension in my body. And so this past year I started to go to the gym and completely changed my perspective on how to release that tension. Mm. I felt better. I felt more clear um, in terms of my thoughts. Uh, and it actually felt, made me feel more productive in solving the problem. Um, because before I would think about, oh, you know, this day was terrible. There were all these problems that happened it's on, it's on me, or it was just a crappy deal. And so whatever. Well, Mm -hmm. no, now that I've, after the gym, after you pump that out with some iron or you go for a run or even a walk, whatever, it clears your head and actually lets you strategize better. And so it it took those negative situations I was experiencing and transformed it into potential opportunities. Um, And and a lot of people, they might say that's, oh, that's uh, positive hoorah thinking, whatever. But I'm telling you, like, we have to have healthy outlets. And maybe you see this on social media, too. But don't you feel like the the way we have teachers respond to the stresses of our job, it's almost like a cliche, like, oh, you've had a tough day at work, go drink some wine. You've had a tough day at work. uh, I don't know, eat a bunch of food, whatever, like, we do not have like you said, very good structures in place to promote um, healthy lifestyles and and healthy ways to respond to stress. Yeah. I mean, with all the talk of sort of, you know, mental health and everything, which is, which is huge. I mean, it's just great. And that this is kind of coming out more as we move forward 
in education. But with all of that, I can't think of, I've not seen anything anywhere on social media of anybody posting like, here's some tips on how to manage your stress in a healthy way. You know, mm-hmm. here's what my school's doing or here's what our district is doing to promote teachers staying active, staying moving, you know, investing in themselves and in their, you know, long-term health. Like I don't see those resources being shared. I don't see that information being out there. I mean, other than a few select people that I, that I interact with on social media and that's, that's a real shame. I think that says a lot about where our attention and where our focus is. And I think that needs to shift. The pendulum needs to swing to not just, Hey, take care of yourself, but here's some real practical ways and to implement that. So I would love to see professional development actually address the concerns of teacher well-being. Like if you're in charge of a school district, you're in charge of a, I was listening to a couple of your <laughs> episodes, uh, of your podcast. Excellent stuff, by the way, just love, Thank you. love the guests that you have on and stuff. And I'm privileged to be one of them. Um, but just talking about like, you know, the principal is the one that sets the culture of the school. You know, the superintendent sets the culture of the district. Like your job is to take care of your teacher so the teachers can take care of your students. And if that's the priority, well, then I think that needs to be inclusive of more than just in the building or in the classroom, but also deal with some of the things outside of it. Mm-hmm. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. I, as you're talking about that, it feels like such a missed opportunity. Um, yeah. Because I think... A lot of leaders, and it's hard to blame them because they're dealing with so much, but yeah, we, we, they, we cop out a little bit by saying, oh, well, take time for yourself. Do what you need to do. Um, mm-hmm. what's the, what was the big phrase you know, with COVID this year? Self-care. Do whatever, yeah. do whatever you need for self-care. Okay, yeah. but like, are you as a leader, and this is in my classroom, if I'm not clear, if I'm not setting expectations, then the students are going to have a really hard time understanding what self-care actually means. Mm-hmm. And so I could say self-care. And if I have a negative connotation of that, then I'm not going to listen to you. And I'm probably going to have a worse attitude at work, but maybe a solution would be saying, Hey, when I'm talking about self-care, here's what I hope that you're doing, or here's what I would love to see, or even just sit down with you. And, and as a principal, when we're talking about self-care, it might be beneficial for me to know, Hey, Brian is really big into fitness, man. I've got a really awesome teacher that can, can share some tips to everyone on what self-care looks like for him. And maybe that could help some other people. Then that puts you in a position to lead some PD or to even just offer advice or, or support your staff with, uh, you know, with those types of things that they might not know that puts you in a position of, of, um, helping rather than, uh, the principal just saying, well, do what's best for you. Good luck. Yeah. It's just, it, just even opening the door to have that conversation. Exactly. Allows that conversation to take place. So, you know, exactly. I was, <laughs> but you brought up as well, like in the classroom, like, you know, another reason that I want to make this a priority for my life is so that I can show that balance to my students as well. Right. Ultimately I want to be a role model for them in all areas of life in terms of like healthy living, like no, you shouldn't be vaping. You shouldn't be, you know, (laughs) 
drinking like underage, of course, like you, even as you're an adult, like moderation and all things like mm-hmm. what does it mean to sleep well? What does it mean to, you know, to eat, eat right? What does it mean to stay active? You know, I had a student this last year. He kind of looked at me and he was like, um, do you like work out? Because you kind of look like maybe you work out, you know, and that just, <laughs> <laughs> and here I am like, is this a you know, I go to the gym like three or four times a week, you know, like, I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not, but I think in his way it was right. You know, and I think that's good that they see that representation as well. Of course, there's so many other things socially that are way more important, but at the end of the day, like I do want to be a role model for my students in Mm -hmm. that area as well. Yeah. I love that you mentioned sleep too, because oftentimes educators just, they see the health freaks, we'll call them and, and they see the Instagrams and that's what they think is, is healthy. Yeah. And this is, I shouldn't just say teachers. It's a lot of people. They see health yeah. as just get to the gym, get swole, get jacked and maybe eat right. But you know, a huge part of it is sleep too. As you know, mm-hmm. teachers are, are incredibly overworked. And so that was a huge learning lesson for me after my first year where I was nonstop and I still have some problems with it. I just, I don't stop working um, basically while I'm awake. And this year <laughs> you, we've all been there. Uh, this is not something new for teachers. <laughs> yeah. And, but this year I, I really had to start mentally prioritizing. Okay. 30 minutes of me scrutinizing this lesson right now, or, or these emails right now is not going to make a break tomorrow. Maybe right. I should go to the gym or maybe I should get a little extra sleep and, yeah. and starting to do that for myself and see the next day that, Oh, see, I am okay. I can do that. And that, that helped build some confidence in me, but say that I'm a teacher that's beginning their health journey and has no clue where to start. How do you, how do you, how would you start with a teacher who's trying to, who wants to get better in terms of their health, but maybe is nervous or has that anxiety? Yeah. The first thing I would say is like that, going back to that mindset piece, the perspective, you know, I recently changed schools and it's interesting. Like when you think about how quickly your school can replace you, not to say that you're replaceable in terms of the personal relationship that you have, but your school is going to keep functioning. Even if you're not there, your school is going to continue on. Right. And they can make that change very quickly, but you can't turn your health around anywhere close to as fast. So having that priority perspective and shift, I think in our thinking, like what you're saying is, you know, yes, I could spend 30 more minutes here, or do this or do this, it's not really going to change this school overall, or even the experience of my students, they're never going to know. But it could change my life dramatically if I increase my sleep 30 minutes a night. Yeah. It could change my life dramatically if I put 30 minutes, you know, into movement and exercise, maybe some resistance training. So right. I think having that shift in perspective is the first thing in the place you need to start. Second thing I would say is like, the power of online communities is so huge. Um, what, what, when was your, what was your first year teaching? Like a couple years ago, right? Yeah, I just finished my second year, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember going back to the dark ages, but I remember uh, <laughs> when I first started um, going into the 2012 uh, academic year, mm. I was a new teacher and there, you know, Twitter was still like, <laughs> I think a lot bigger in terms of a network uh, for like, sharing ideas at the time and there was a huge and there is still a huge educational community on Twitter and I think most of my classroom management practices and strategies a lot of my ideas that I had for my didn't come from 
the four-year degree that I paid for it came <laughs> from interacting with educators on Twitter. And so I think that has really shown me and really was a catalyst for me to say, look, the online community can be a place of positive interactions. I know we think of it oftentimes in terms of as like toxic, like, um, you know, the, the bad stands out way more than the good, but I would just encourage people to really, um, you know, go in all, all in on that, um, whether it be through, through, you know, the newest thing, TikTok or maybe Instagram or, or however. Um, so that would be it. The second one would be to really like actually plan it. We're, we're educators. We're good at planning stuff. <laughs> um, we're good at looking at something big picture and breaking it down into pieces and, and, and having an, you know, a real strategy on how we're going to approach these different standards and all of those things. So, well, let's have the same approach when it comes to our health. Like plan it out. If you're going to work out three times a week, schedule it, like mm -hmm. put it into your planner, like put it into your daily routine, put it into how you structure your day and your life. The same goes for the sleep, like you were saying, nutrition, like all those things, like instead of trying to wing it, right? Yeah. If we tried to go into a school year and just wing the whole thing, that's what this last year felt like for me in many cases because, you know, oh, we're going hybrid. And then, you know, on Thursday afternoon, we find out that next week all the kids are going to be in person. And then we find out the next Thursday they're all going to be back to virtual. I mean, that's what it feels like to wing it. That amount of like pressure on yourself can be alleviated if you're, you know, sort of forecasting, if you're planning that out. So that would be kind of like uh, a couple of things that I would say, like those would be the immediate shifts that I would make. Now, in terms of like real simple, simple, practical tips, I just wrote a couple things down. Um, one is I would say, because I see a lot of teachers that don't eat during the school day, mm -mm. right? Maybe they don't have breakfast. They just, you know, they get their coffee and they go through the day and they're just, you know, frazzled, they're rushed. Maybe they grab a, you know, a granola bar at some point and then they don't eat until after work, after they get home. And I just want to say, like, you need to plan out, you need to fuel your body during the day. You're going to have a lot more energy sustained throughout your, throughout your day, throughout your weekend, throughout your, you know, you're going to sleep better. And really what you're telling your body when you don't eat all day is, Hey, conserve, conserve, conserve energy. Mm -hmm. So your body's really not, you're going to actually like probably end up moving less over the course of the day. You're going to burn less calories because your body thinks that you're not having, you don't have enough energy to burn. You're mm -hmm. also going to, your struggle to burn fat off because you're holding on to it because your body's saying we're going to need that energy for later because we're not getting the calories. So you want to really activate your metabolism. You want to eat. Like I would say like make time. I know it's, I know it's crazy. I know it's counterintuitive, but you need to make time. Even if it's in front of students to eat and fuel your body during the day. Mm -hmm. All right. I mean, like realistically you'd hopefully have like four smaller meals a day. And that way, every three, four hours, you're really telling your metabolism, like, keep going, keep going. We're okay. We're not starving. We've got plenty of energy. Keep burning those calories. Keep burning the, you know, sort of that, the, the fats that's stored up. So um, that's like the first. And the second is along with that planning idea is to really set smart goals. So if you're not aware of smart goals, I would just look it up. There's a lot of information on it, but it's, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, um, realistic, and time bound, right? So the goals that you're setting for yourself, I'm not a runner. I hear that you're running more. I'm not a runner, but you know, for me, a lot of times, if I am on a run, I'm looking at that next light pole saying I can make it to that light pole. And when I get to that light pole, I say, I can make it to the next one mm -hmm. because, and I'm going to make it in the next 15 seconds. You know, I'm going to get that. And 
for me, it's much more attainable because I don't have that endurance built up or I'm not a long distance guy. I am not a runner. I absolutely have a runner's body. I'm, I'm a skinny dude, but I, <laughs> it's, I need to add that in. Thanks for the motivation. Now, now I got to live up to it. <laughs> and then um, the last one I would say, just ask, ask for help, ask for help. It's okay. You know, um, you know, there are a lot of people that, you know, you can turn to trusted sources um, and it's okay to ask. I mean, in 2000, 18, when I first started lifting weights, I had never, just to say this, I had never done a single barbell exercise before 2018. I'd never squatted. I'd never bench pressed. I had never deadlifted or any of that. And my younger sister who had just gotten CrossFit certified was showing me how to do an accurate like body squat and then added the dumbbell. I mean, added the barbell and I had so many mobility issues and all of that. And that, that was really preventative for me, like we talked about earlier. So it's okay to ask for help. Um, you know, like my DMs are always open, especially to teachers. Um, and I would love to, to help and assist in any way. Absolutely. That's why we're here. We're, we're here to share your, and connect you with people. Yeah. Um, it, this is just a podcast for you. If you're interested, uh, as you were saying, you know, on runs, make things small. Um, you'd be really interested in this guy, Andy Stumpf. He's a former, he's a former Navy SEAL. He does a podcast called the cleared hot podcast. And so, but he talks all the time, um, about SEAL training and Uh, the the whole way he recommends the trainees to get through SEAL training is to keep the world small. So mm -hmm. obviously they've got, uh, basically like three hours of sleep a day, maybe. Uh, and then they're going, you know, weeks on end of just grueling challenges. And the only way that you make it through is by keeping your world small. It's like, Hey man, just get through this next hour. Just get through this next run, get to that next tree, get to this, you know, that next wave that's going to splash over your head, just five more, three more, two more. Right. And so the idea of keeping your world small is super important. And I love that because for us as educators, we prioritize everyone else before us. Mm -hmm. And so when we start this whole process up of, of taking charge of our fitness and our health, it seems like we want to do it all. And when we yeah. put that in the puzzle of our brain, it doesn't quite fit. It's like too big of a puzzle piece, but it's because we're using the wrong piece, right? We have to make yeah. that piece smaller. So for me, like when I adopted my dog over pandemic times, it was the best thing I could have done. Yeah. It made my world smaller. It helped me say, okay, I'm going to take my dog scout out on a 20 minute walk. Yeah. And just getting out and moving, having no technology, just, clearing your space with something that's active, clearing your head, mm-hmm. like that kept my world small. And then that helps yeah. me start to stair step. And, and like I said, I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but it's helping me stair step to where I do want to be. Um, yeah. I think, and just that sense of purpose, right? Yeah. Right. Right. It gives you so much more clarity. It gives you a sense of drive. Um, it adds more routine to your day. And so then you don't, you know, when you do have that bad day, it's not, you don't fall off as hard, right? You don't, you don't let yeah. it derail you. So, and that's really important. Absolutely. Yeah. So Brian, how can people connect with you if they're wanting to set up a, a consultation or connect with you or just follow you on TikTok or Instagram, whatever it is, how can they connect with you and support you? Yeah. Yeah. So, so my thing is this guy teaches. Um, so it's, you know, this underscore guy underscore teaches that's on Instagram and on TikTok. So I'd love to interact with you there. Um, on both of those platforms. 
And then my fitness brand is called TGT Fitness. So this guy teaches, this guy trains. So that's what the TGT stands yeah, for. There you go. And uh, yeah. And um, yeah, so that I do have a Facebook page. Uh, it's not really, it's just kind of started. And then I'm also going to be building some point um, soon a like teacher group for just teachers who are interested in fitness and just to kind of create that. It's not related to my business or anything like that, but just a place for educators who are interested in staying fit and uh, or getting fit, whatever, and uh, just place to engage and interact and motivate each other. So. Love that. And I'll include all those links and handles um, on the show notes. So listeners, if you're listening to this episode, scroll down to the show notes and, and you'll be able to connect with Brian there. Um, Brian, I have one more question to you, for you. I ask this to every single um, guest. So say there is a complete revision of schools across the world and we decide to build a new education system from scratch. And this panel is selecting educators to interview and they select you, Brian Holyfield, uh, to offer them some advice on what this new school system would look like. But the only rule is you're limited to three statements. So what would your three statements be that would help them shape this new school system? Um, surprise, surprise, I would say, you know, focus on the whole child. Um, so holistic includes creativity, art, music, movement, all of those things needs to be emphasized on an equal basis as education. Um, I, in terms of like a traditional education, right. In terms of like, you know, reading, writing, uh, math, all that. I would also want to talk about, uh, just a, a, a de-emphasis on linear progression. Um, that's a big thing as a coach. Like you don't always move from A to B. Sometimes a student gets concept E before they get concept B and that's okay, right? So we have this sort of like very regulated time periods of days that then build on each other and certain classes that build on each other and years that build on each other. And I don't think that's always or almost ever how kids actually learn. Um, and then the third one, I would say, um, pay teachers more (laughs) (laughs) just in terms of, because I think if you think about it in terms of investment, I think that long-term you're going to see healthier teachers. You're going to see teachers that are more can focus in more. Like you were saying, I mean, I don't know how many jobs I've worked over the summers or side jobs that I've had as a teacher that just wear you down even more because I'm trying to provide for my family, for my kids, you know? So to have that sort of stress taken off of us a little bit in terms of, I think, equitable wages for the amount of professionalism that we bring to the table, I think it's going to drive the profession even forward. And I think you're going to see massive benefits to student and student learning um, if the teachers are better taken care of. So that's my hot take. (laughs) three statements i'm absolutely on board with brian holyfield is at this guy teaches on instagram and tiktok make sure you follow him there send him a message if you're looking to consult with him he is ready to go and coach you up brian this has been awesome i really appreciate the time really cool yeah thank you thank you for listening to the ed essentials podcast original music by patrick cunningham links to connect with us are in the show notes Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And remember, always bring your best, and we'll see you next time on the Ed Essentials Podcast.